like if he thought she was into it if he thought she w- thought that was like cool that he was there he would have been like yeah i had this metal whip i was like indiana jones meets the friggin terminator <laughs> and, like, <laughs> Welcome to the Habituation Room Podcast. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for pressing play. Uh, I'm sure you've turned me down at this point because that was a strong opener. Very strong. Come on, strong. Uh, I'm wearing uh, orange eyeshadow. It kind of looks like I used to put it on when I was in sixth grade. And we're going with it, people. It is Sunday once again or Friday if you're listening in the future. Thank you for being here. Make sure to press the like button on YouTube, subscribe if you're not already subscribed, and click that little bell. Ring that little bell. Only 15% of you have rung the bell. And the bell lets you know when this show goes live. Sometimes we go live on a Thursday just because. Sometimes we go live on a Tuesday because why not? Uh, in fact, we are going live uh, on a Tuesday next, uh, the first week of August, because next week we will not have a show on Sunday, August the 1st. I'm going to do some family things. I'm going to do family things, but we will have a show on Tuesday, August 3rd. So set your calendars. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing a wonderful author named Eon Grillo, who is the author of a number of books on the drug war and like gang violence in, in Central America, Mexico, and the Caribbean specifically. And I really wanted to pick his brain about what's going on in Haiti right now, um, among other things. So he's the author of El Narco, uh, Gangster Warlords, uh, and other, you know, very savory topics um, that, you know, just could be treating. Um, so definitely, uh, that'll be at 11 a.m. on uh, 2 p.m. Eastern on August 3rd. That's a Tuesday. So yeah, ring that little bell. And if you're in the future, you don't got no bells to ring, but you've got stars to give, people. Give the podcast five stars. Helps people discover us. Helps people, you know, who are like falling down the red pill rabbit hole to just, you know, it reels them up out of that. Just... <laughs> And we're like a little puppy out of a well. So yeah, give us five stars on uh, on iTunes, and thank you so much for doing so. We're going to get into some things today. We have two great guests, uh, Brianna Westbrook, who works with the Arizona Democratic Party and leading a lot of the charge for progressive change in that state, is with us, uh, as well as Josh Gondelman, such a funny guy, such a, a brilliant writer, he joins us to uh, for the hour. Uh, we're going to talk about Tucker Carlson getting accosted at a fishing shop. Uh, and we're going to talk about Bumble doing the CIA's work. We're going to talk about Arizona politics and, you know, how best to oust Kirsten Cinema from her job. Uh, we're also going to do another edition of Sext Elect Overthrow, this time with the billionaire boys. Space boys got a sext one uh so stay tuned for that and uh let's see just before we get into what we're bitching about uh you know this podcast is sponsored by you and you alone that's right you with your super chats you out there with your patreon money 
That's right. P- Patreon.com slash Bituation Room is where you can go to support this podcast. I don't have any other donors. I don't have dark money to reject. Would I if I was offered it? Maybe. I'd like to think so. It depends. Probably. You are my dark money, people. <laughs> Funnel that shit over to me uh, and over to this podcast and all the people that work on it. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. Or you can tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. And without making you wait any longer... That's a different way of saying without further ado. I just am sick of hearing myself say that. This is the fart song. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. Everyone loves this. Uh, Thank you so much to the patrons at 10 bucks or more for the shout out. Deception IT help desk. Joshua B. For upping your pledge, Robert G. You're amazing. For joining the innermost cabal of the Frantifa, Leith or Lythe Kristen M. You got the good fart. Uh, for the big tippers, Karen K, who defies all Karens. They should be called Susans now. Um, for Joseph L, thank you so much for the Twitch subs. Uh, Nug Wrangler and Tumbles025, who resubscribed. Uh, <laughs> this is very loud in my ears. I don't know if it's as loud. Just super, like I can smell it. Uh, thank you to Late Bloomer65, My Kind of Gamer, Kenny from Philly, Blue Knight24, What Mutt, and Seraph Dragon. Whew, that was. Oh, potent. Um, thank you guys so much. A lot of dragons in the dragon den. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for making the switch. You know, I mean, I know, I know you've left the damage report behind. Um, it's like, who is that chick they have on Mondays? She's weird. Uh, all right, guys, let's get into it. This is what are you bitching about? So uh, I am bitching about all of the backlash toward the ice cream company, Ben and Jerry's, for uh, deciding to not sell its products in the occupied territories uh, in Israel-Palestine. And they're doing so as part of the Boycott Divestment Sanctions Movement, BDS, which once again is a nonviolent call to action from Palestinian civil society uh, asking the world to try and bring pressure on the Israeli government to stop encroaching on Palestinian land and, yes, to end the occupation of the territories that it seized after the 1967 war. What are those territories, right? West Bank, East Jerusalem, the Gaza Strip, and the Golan Heights. Probably never going to happen, but you never know. Uh, These, by the way, are territories of the United Nations. You know, that sort of left-wing Antifa bastion of anti-Semites has also deemed illegal. These are illegal settlements. In fact, the entire world uh, has condemned the occupation except for United States and Israel. So, of course, there's been a total, total, complete, ridiculous backlash. And I know... It seems weird, right? It seems like, man, what else are they doing? Like, what's actually in fish food, you know, for them to be so upset uh, about this? And I think it truly is because Israel sees the writing on the wall when it comes to their crimes, when it comes to their illegal occupation, and when it comes to uh, more and more them showing their hand as to they have no interest in a peace process. They have no interest in stopping settlements that continue to encroach on Palestinian land. They have no interest in um, taking anything that the international community says seriously. Um, 
or let alone bodies like Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and the like. And they know that. And so, yes, Chunky Monkey is triggering them. And uh, the, the backlash has been so, so breathless, really. So Naftali Bennett, the new prime minister, is swearing there'll be big consequences. And, like, I'm super psyched for Mossad's next op to be, like, scrambling the recipe to, uh, you know, Cherry Garcia or whatever. Like, no, you took the worst one. We don't need Cherry Garcia. It's kind of gross. Let's be real. Um, but like, what are the consequences going to be? I'm very curious. Uh, but of course, there's been backlash in the United States. Always, interestingly, from the most right wing governors uh, and politicians in the country. It's kind of like, you know, there's a, an alliance between the Israeli right and uh, the American right. Uh, so Ron DeSantis of Florida and Greg Abbott of Texas are saying that they will try and um, ban the states from investing in Ben and Jerry's or its parent company Unilever. Um, they want to add them to a list of companies who won't be able to uh, renew their contracts with the state. Now, mind you, there is a list of companies who are being boycotted for boycotting Israel. Let me say that again. People who are being put on a list for putting Israel on a list of people who are boycotted. So there's lists upon lists upon lists. This is, remember, the far right that thinks that everything is cancel culture except when it comes to Israel-Palestine, right? So 30 states currently have laws on the books preventing their pension funds from being invested in companies that refuse to do business with the Jewish state of Israel. So essentially, you have to do business with Israel, like, what is, what do we mean? You you have to be invested? And if you don't, no, 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 it's anti-Semitic and, and you must be put on our list, right? So it seems silly, but Ben and Jerry's is going out on a limb here. They really are. And and look, it is not the biggest limb, right? There's, they obviously are still selling inside of 1948, inside the state of Israel. And that's important because Israel's reaction shows that they see no difference between their illegal settlements and the West Bank and Israel proper. And the way that they conflate it all allows them to use the narrative of anti-Semitism and, uh, uh, you know, trying to so-called push Jews into the sea to their benefit. So if you're against the occupation, if you support Ben and Jerry's, well, then you're immediately for the eradication of the Israeli state altogether, which is utter BS. We know that to be a BS line, right? But they like that. They want it to be conflated together. They don't want to see these entities and their different land as separate, right? And they've successfully bullied companies into backtracking on their attempts to boycott. So Airbnb, right? Once again, like super progressive, just like, you know, no, we don't lead to gentrification in cities all across the United States. Even Airbnb, who is lacking in morals, was, was bullied into retracting its statement that said it wouldn't offer rentals in the occupied territories, right? You should see some of these rentals that they're renting, but they look like, they look like you can rent like, like the manger that Jesus was born in. Shit is crazy. It's like very old Testament and also like very much was someone else's land. So the last thing I'll say on this is 
We know that the backlash to BDS is a way to stop any kind of resistance, peaceful resistance to the occupation. Because according to the Israeli government, there is no acceptable form of resistance. And that's a question I ask everyone. What is the acceptable form of resistance to the occupation, if not a, a nonviolent boycott? It worked in South Africa against the apartheid regime. It worked in the South in many ways against segregationist states and Jim Crow. And Israel knows that. Right. And that's why they're triggered by an ice cream company. And, you know, look, they, they shoot, they open fire on kids who throw rocks. Right. And then, of course, they're against rockets, as I think many of us are not necessarily in favor of rockets flying into Israel. Right. But for in the Israeli government's mind, it's all the same. And BDS might as well be a rocket to them. And the Senate in the United States and the Congress in the United States have both passed measures supported by people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, sadly, bullying them and saying that, yes, BDS is wrong, that we condemn BDS. We condemn boycotting and divesting and sanctioning. Now, I don't think that, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are terrible people for going along with that. But I do think it shows you the power of the Israeli lobby, the power of this issue, and the fact that the writing is absolutely on the wall when it comes to this, and, and that BDS is something we should support, we should stand behind, uh, and we should try and cajole the different institutions that we also are involved in to get involved. Um, and I know that's all very serious. So I've developed, um, we've developed a, you know, a new line of ice cream for Israel. Uh, once it does boycott fully uh, Ben and Jerry's and takes it off the shelves of even stores inside 48, like what what kind of ice cream are they going to replace it with? Uh, Becca Roofer, my producer, and I, we came up with a, a few a few good like options, some good good flavors. So we've got Chocupation. Mmm, it's very yummy. Chocupation Settlement. Love Settlement. BDSpresso. I actually love BDSpresso. Not late at night. Um, Apple Apartheid. That works-ish. And here's my last one. This is the nerdiest one. The Osdo Accord. It's, it's, it's pretty good, though. Actually, it's terrible. In fact, you'll never eat ice cream again. It's pretty much the end of all ice creams. Um, I added crunch at the end. Maybe, does that sound better? Osdo Accord crunch? We're working with something there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, hey, remember... It's the long game. Uh, keep your eye on the prize and don't get distracted by some of this crap. Um, and good for Ben and Jerry's. They might get hammered for it. It's a good thing people are addicted to their ice cream and it's a pretty strong brand, but we'll see. Um, I think others should follow suit and I think they really are sticking their necks out here. So that's good. Uh, and with that, let's actually get into this. Let me bring in my guest for the hour. He is a writer and a comic who incubated in Boston before moving to New York and sort of emerging from Chrysalis, I only assume. He wrote for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, ever heard of it, uh, and for sev for many years, and is now a writer-producer for Jesus and Marrow on Showtime. Please welcome Josh Gondelman. Hello. So nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. You've done voiceover work, right, Josh? No. God, you have the, like, sweetest cartoon voice, and I mean that in, Thank like... You. The like the nicest way, like, like I appreciate. It. I'll take it in the nicest way. <laughs> and honestly, even if you meant it in a meaner way, I'd be like, she probably means it in a nicer way. You have like a sweet cartoon voice, asshole. You're like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> My friend once told me that uh, that I heard that right after we met, she was like, you should be like a cartoon snake. And I was like, you mean like 
in my life or I should play one on TV. She's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, so it makes me think of like, like the original sin snake. Like if the original sin snake had your voice, I would get it. Like I get like being lured by that. Like, Hey, what's up? Did you want to like bite this apple? Like, or whatever. Um, Oh yeah. I'd be like, Hey, if you're not too busy, uh, got some new apples in, thought you'd get a kick out of them. So yummy. Go. Oh my God. That guy yeah, up there. Don't so even listen good. to him. <laughs> Come on. What does he know? What does he know? You deserve an apple. You, it's been a hard, uh, I guess, eternity that you've been here so far. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how long it was. I feel like it was like a day and they were like, I'm bored. I want an apple. We're talking about Adam and Eve, obviously. Yeah. That feels like so fast. I never thought about that before just now (laughs) about like how long they were there. Because like, I think if it was like a week, I'd be like, I could not eat an apple for a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if you've never had an apple before. You have no idea. You but don't know what you're missing. That's true. That's very true. Um, I'm glad we've solved this. Uh, uh, Old Testament heads, uh, you know, shout out, sound off in the comments. Uh, let yeah. me bring in my next guest. She's a former National Bernie Sanders surrogate and vice chair of the Arizona Democratic Party. She's co-founder of the Housing Initiative Project at 501C4, dedicated protect- to protecting Arizonans' right to housing through direct action and advocacy. She currently serves as Southwest co-chair for the DSA in National Immigrant Rights Working Group and as an executive committee member for the Arizona Democratic Party. Please welcome Brianna Westbrook. Howdy, y'all. Hi. Excited to be here. Brianna, thank thank you for being here. Uh, It's been a long time coming after just sort of lots of DMing and being like, hey, come on my show. What up? Um, (laughs) I'm like the snake. Uh, But, okay, so let's continue what we're bitching about. You know, we're very into negativity here on the pod. So uh, you heard what I was bitching about. Um, Josh, what are you bitching about this Sunday? (sighs) This Sunday, I'm, like, pretty cranky about people who are like, I can't go back to wearing masks again. (laughs) You know, it's – and it's not because I love wearing a mask everywhere. I don't like that. I don't dress up for Halloween. Uh, I don't wear jewelry uh, other than my wedding ring. I prefer to be fairly unencumbered. I'm a T-shirt kind of guy. Sure. But – it, so it's it's annoying. I grant you it's annoying. I, I fully uh, give you the premise like, yeah, nobody likes it. Nobody's like, you know what? The best part of my day is like kind of breathing through a, a, a cloth condom over yeah. my face. But I think the people that are like, we can't go back. Like we've, we've passed that part are like fully ignoring that things change. And that's an important fact about things is that they don't stay the same forever, right? So, like, I get that if you were, like, if someone was like, oh, yeah, hey, coronavirus around the planet, uh, air quality, terrific, allergies eliminated, surveillance state uh, negated. It's like, (laughs) sure, I get why under all those conditions, you'd be like, yeah, I'll never, I'll never wear a mask again unless I'm going to some kind of eyes wide shut orgy or other uh, less opulent masked orgy. Sure. It's kind of a a 1% orgy. Um, but I think like to, to now be like, well, we we're done with masks. We can't go back to wearing masks. That's like being like, well, I'm not going to take a shit today. I took a shit yesterday. And it's like, (laughs) well, you're not going to stop the bad thing from happening. You're just going to shit your pants. No, it's very, (laughs) it is. That's what's happening. 
Totally. It's very much like you just went to the dentist and they were like, you know, you really should floss more. And then you flossed for like a week and then you're like, no, I'm done. You know, it's like you went to the dentist, they filled your cavities and then you're like, great. I don't have to brush my teeth anymore because there's no more danger to my teeth. Like I took care of it by addressing it briefly. Uh And it's just so wild. And I think there's also this kind of like, I, I'm like very uh, furious and and impressed by like the conservative tendency to like act like anything is an unprecedented assault on freedom to be like, oh, you're going to require vaccines. What's next? Requiring vaccines for kids to go to school and for international travel. And like, I, I just feel <laughs> like it's like incredible the way that people on that part of the political spectrum will just like fully ignore not just the past but the present which is much harder to do right yeah. like i get not i get being like ignoring the past that requires learning which i uh resist at every turn but to like ignore how things are and just trust it's like a magic trick mm-hmm. to be, it, it's like uh the pol- a political equivalent of got your nose except for <laughs> half the country is like you did get our nose and we love it and and so like just the idea i feel like it's just like i'm so frustrated by this idea that doing anything for the good of someone else is an assault on your uh on your freedom and that like even as like there are variants and mutations that we can't try to like act for the common good i i'm like yeah that's that's my complaint this weekend it's a good i mean this whole pandemic has been a real real test of yield social fabric and our social fabric is like it's like a couch in a frat house that's been it's, just utterly rubbed down to our a social nub. fabric is macrame. <laughs> it yeah, is so yeah, porous. Yeah. It's and a it's a I top at Coachella, just like very see through. Yes, that's uh, exactly what it is. <laughs> puked on. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. That is a good thing to yep. bitch bitch on. Um, Brianna, what are you bitching about? Well, I think every day is a good day to bitch about capitalism. Um, particularly today, True. I was watching a, a pretty good documentary on YouTube with Harvard professor uh, Shoshana Zuboff. You may have heard of her. She's a, a wonderful author, uh, but um, she's um, really passionate about surveillance capitalism. And for those that do not know what surveillance capitalism is, it is the economic system basically centered around commodifying our personal data for the purpose of profit making. Um, I think that that is a, an industry that is um, basically lawless right now. Every day they take our mm. personal data, um, manipulate our behaviors, to get us to click through on advertisements. So we're exploited every single day by big tech. Our data is repackaged um, and sold by big tech companies to third parties. And uh, when you start manipulating behaviors and changing the results of elections by doing targeted ads like they did in 2018, yeah, that is, that is something that uh, um, definitely is under my skin. And I think about it often. When scrolling through social For media, sure. I'm contributing to a part of it too, because it's so big. Yo, I was just thinking this because I started using, thanks to one of the the um, listeners and viewers of the show, I started using um, a sleep app that is like wonderful. It's like sleep sounds or something. Uh, relax melodies. Okay, I was close. Relax melodies. And I was like, this is great. What could go wrong? And then I realized that I believe this app is absolutely tracking every time I like stop and start it or wake up and turn it off or like, like how long I have it on, how loud and it like knows exactly when I've, how long I've slept, 
whether I like, you know, like all the clicks and ticks and swipes, like these apps know. Um, and yeah, I don't know me gusta. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. And and for sure, 2016, yo, after 2016 in Cambridge Analytica, that's when I bounced off of Facebook because I was like, nope, no, 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 uh, Orwellian, too Orwellian. Everything else is okay. But that became just like, oh, fuck, fuck. We well, just the, the yeah. benefits, the benefits of Facebook to me at this point are so low compared yeah. to how much you give away, right? Where like with Instagram, like I really do like looking at pictures of dogs and cakes and babies. <laughs> yeah. uh, but with with Facebook, the trade-off feels like I'm allowing myself to be commodified and all I get is like an invitation to like the band fan page of like, uh, my college friend's high school boyfriend that I met once. And I'm just like, you know, there's just, I, I'm getting so little out of this bargain. money for that it's, ad. It's the easiest one to and, like, to, to cut loose on. And like somehow will reelect Duterte if you click on that. You're like, I don't, what? <laughs> you're like, how does this possible? But yeah, Bolsonaro will be reelected if you, if you like your friend's boyfriend's band. That's somehow. Well, um, actually, she used to date Jair Bolsonaro in high school. So yeah, he was, um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Um, I like Jair. Um, oh my God. The best new, okay, I don't have to talk about it, but we know <laughs> Bolsonaro had like five pounds of shit removed from his nose. Uh, removed from, excuse me, removed from his intestine through his nose had no idea yeah he that's he was hospitalized with the hiccups and he had like mm -hmm. some gastrointestinal thing and he had like a certain amount of pounds of shit removed through his nostrils and i feel like it's not justice but it's very close like that's more than like jeffrey epstein got you know what i'm saying like that Okay. I do think if you are a person who seems to believe their shit doesn't stink, a uh, an appropriate punishment is having your shit removed through your nose and being <laughs> like, well, let's put that to a literal test. Yes. If you think you can do no wrong. Totally. All right. Well, let's get into the week. Um, so many things happened this week. It uh, came to light that the FBI failed to investigate 4,500 tips about Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, granted, about half of them were me just calling in and screaming rape publicans uh, and then hanging up. Uh, the Earth had a beautiful 11 minutes without Jeff Bezos. Uh, the U.S. Senate candidate and author of Hillbilly Elegy, J.D. Vance, suggested parents should get an additional vote for every child they have, which is great news for the Duggars. And the Senate Armed Services Committee approved a bill that would require women to register for the draft. And suddenly, I'm not a feminist, okay? I'm just, you know, hashtag no, we can't. Um, some things are hard. No registering for the draft. For everything else, this is the week where. This was the week where a Montana man and local hero confronted a transplant named Tucker Carlson, who's been summering in Montana and streaming from his blue-collar home studio set, TM. Before we look at the video, uh, let's just remember what this man looks like and what his sort of fake populist uh, rebrand for the summer also looks like. So here he is. <laughs> is he is he on the phone or is he just, I think he's just thinking. I think this photographer thought it was a good idea to put, I don't know what this is. Uh, we've got a, uh, we've got a chandeliers made of Elkhorn. 
There is so much going uh, on, but that is very Montana. That's good because it's like what, sometimes you want um, a light fixture that just reminds you that you have the power to murder. I think that that's, <laughs> there's, you know. I think that's that's uh, desirable. For, he also for sure. looks like he's doing like an like an improv phone. Like he's like totally. ready. He's like come off a backline at a UCB show <laughs> yeah. and he's like, uh, "Hello, it's me, President Ronald Reagan." <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is amazing. Um, let's keep going. So here we have a very a very real wood shop where he absolutely builds things like the chandelier made out of antlers. Um, and it uses, he, 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 here's Tucker sitting on a stool looking at this like unused wood shop. And he very much looks like, um, what, <laughs> what do I, what should I touch now? Tool what does this do? It has no tools in it. It is an empty toolbox. Uh, he's, he's very, he's just like, ah, uh, I don't know. In that picture. That's not even his house probably. Oh, there is, in fact, only one tool in that picture. Okay, so this is his newfound. He's he's here for the summer. Somehow, this is what he's doing for Fox News. It's great. He can only wear plaid. I don't know. With the bow tie and the plaid, I'm not sure. Like, he goes through stages. Uh, and this is what happened at a fish tackle or a bait shop. I don't know. Fish tackle? It's a Bass Pro, probably. Um Recently, uh, he was confronted uh, by a, a gentleman, and here is what happened. What? I don't care, man. Okay, just do You are the worst human being known to man. I want you to to this, to the United States, to everything else in this world. I don't care that you're not here. What you have done to people's families, what you have done to everybody else in this world. Call me son again. I'm sorry. I'm a big Hamilton fan. Uh, (laughs) That is a good part of that. But so what happened here, skis, is um, this is a gentleman named Dan Bailey who posted this video to his Instagram and he confronts Tucker Carlson. He basically says, I want you to know you're the worst human being. Uh, You're the worst human being known to mankind what you've done to this state, what you've done to this country. And Tucker Carlson says, I appreciate that, but my daughter's here. And he says, I don't care that your daughter is here. Uh, And then he says, okay, son. And then he says, son, mind you, this dude is, is actually fairly tall, pretty, pretty big guy. And you wonder how Tucker would have responded if he wasn't that tall. Um, But what, what were your guys' initial reactions to this uh, sort of glorious moment? Well, he calls him a, a, Uh, detestable human being, right? Um, And Tucker goes, I'm not going to debate you on the merits there. So I think that stands out. He's not going to debate a detestable (laughs) human being. Like... (laughs) He's he's just trying to yes and as per his other like, you know, improv roots uh, that we just saw. He's Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah, I won't debate you. Fake phone calls and Mm -hmm. just uh, taking it. Um, I I really like this, not just from, I I mean, I hate conflict, uh, (laughs) but I like this. So it creates like a real uh, divide within me. But I do think like, I think so often, like I sometimes have to go by the building where Fox News is um, in in New York City. Mm -hmm. And I often steal myself as I go through, if I see one of the hosts that I recognize to just go, hey, man. You fucking suck because I think it's important that like that the the people here 
that these these people who have such influence and such power and wealth and and have been such a pernicious force in American society and global society uh, hear that they suck to their yeah. to their face. Yeah, and it's like I I think that's important because mm-hmm. they do, and someone should tell them. It's only fair. I think this yes, should yeah. everywhere. I think that the yeah. should go up to public officials, particularly Christian Cinema, which maybe we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but I think that we should go up to people like this um, in random places when they're enjoying time with their family and say, hey, you're a terrible human being or you're not doing the things that we asked you to do. And I'll yeah. say this. I don't think I would bother people. Like if I saw my favorite uh, musician or actor or actress in a, uh, in a coffee shop, mm-hmm. I would like to think I'm the kind of person who would like to go like, oh, they're with family. I don't want to to take time away from their their precious relaxation they they deserve this as everyone does deserves like leisure time with loved ones and friends sure but i do like to think that if i saw tucker carlson eating with his family i would just you know not obtrusively because i don't want to ruin his kids child's day i don't want to ruin a child's day but just pass him a note that walk by just put a note in front of him that just says hey man you fucking suck. You fucking and I thought suck. you should know. I just don't know if anyone told you that today, that you're just like a vile piece of trash. I just wanted and you like, to know. I, just I, love, you know. Just, I like, love the idea of whispering, you fucking suck. I just wanted you, you to know. Suck, that. Man. Hey, this is my ASMR. I would listen to ASMR of something like, Tucker Carlson, I wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. I'd be like, this is helping me relax. Totally. No, but this is, of course, you remember DHS Secretary Kristen Nielsen? Remember that um, horrible uh, wench? I'm sorry. But she, you know, she was heckled at a Mexican restaurant by a group Mm -hmm. of activists. And uh, she, you know, suddenly it was all about canceling people. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders, same thing. Oh, my God, why are you? I can't even go out and enjoy. Can't you see that I'm just playing a part? That's all acting. It's like, no, motherfucker, that's not acting. There's blood on your hands. Literally. No. Acting Probably. like a detestable person is what Ben Affleck is great at in Gone Girl. I think we can all agree. <laughs> Incredible performance. Uh, perform uh, uh, Acting as the um, press secretary for the president or uh, secretary of Homeland Security, that is not like, this isn't theater. You know what I mean? And even Tucker Carlson, who like in a court of law has argued like, look what I do. It's just kind of a put on like Alex Jones has done the same thing. And it's like, well, tell the people who are like leaving their families to get sick and die because you tell them not to get vaccinated. Yeah, I. okay. so here's my only critique of Dan here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dan Bailey. uh, Love you, bud. You're awesome. Obviously, you're not just Montana, man. Um, uh, You're much more than that to me. But I feel like he should have gone up to him and pretended to be a fan and been like, oh, my God, Tucker, you're amazing. Can I get a selfie? And then as he's leaning in to get a selfie, being like, oh, wait a minute. This is cool, right? You're vaccinated, right? And Tucker would have said, (laughs) oh, yeah, totally. No, no worries. Selfie. Bye. Because this bitch will not admit that he is 150% vaccinated, uh, but leads his viewers to think otherwise and sows incredible amounts of distrust in the vaccine. But of of course, he's definitely gotten it. Um, Still, A plus, buddy. Love it. Uh, All right, let's move on. Um, This was the week where we realized that if being trash were an Olympic sport, the Olympic Committee would ironically get at least bronze with obviously Bill Cosby getting the silver and then like the great Pacific garbage patch 
obviously taking the gold. Um, so after denying the runner and gold medalist uh, favorite, Shikari Richardson, the chance to compete in the Olympics because she had cannabis in her system, which she said was due to the fact that her biological mother had died and she was taking the stress off. The Olympic Committee then went on, as we know, to ban swim caps uh, that most black swimmers use. And then this week, we found out, prevented a nursing swimmer from bringing her one-year-old child to Tokyo with her, um, supposedly for COVID restrictions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But now there's another issue, which is that an American fencer named Alan Hadzik has been allowed to compete despite multiple allegations of sexual misconduct. Uh, the guy is already in um, Tokyo right now. So six women fencers, including two Olympic athletes, wrote to the Olympic Committee that Hadzik should not be allowed to represent the United States because he was under an investigation for at least three accusations of sexual misconduct reported to the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, the nonprofit agency responsible for protecting athletes from abuse. His presence at the game said they said was a, quote, direct affront to fellow athletes and put them at risk. Of course, the U.S. Center for Safe Sport said it was okay. I don't know who the fuck these people are, but apparently they've gone to great lengths to make sure that everyone is safe. So what they did was acknowledging the... Okay, so so this is actually the U.S. fencing uh, team. Acknowledging the severity of the allegations facing Hadzik, the USA Fencing, the athletic federation in charge of selecting the country's Olympic competitors, created a, quote, safety plan to keep him away from women and out of the Olympic village. He flew on a separate plane from his teammates, is staying at a hotel 30 minutes away from the other athletes, and won't be allowed to practice alongside women teammates. Oh, cool. That's amazing. Like, you just have a rape allegation and you get, like, a private jet? That's amazing. That's that's like failing up. There, there should be, in fact, an entirely separate Olympics for predators, right? We could have, like, lawsuit hurdles, the slow <laughs> apology race, um, archery, but they're the target. You know, I feel like there's a whole... We're creating a new Olympics here, and uh, I don't know. It's it's pretty incredible. What did, what did you guys think of this, just the unfolding of this very, very obvious train wreck of a, a games this this year? Well, Josh, what are your – yeah. Oh, Brianna, my bad. No, it's okay. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's early off. It's early still, and it's um, it's one thing after another so far with the Olympics, with the uniforms and stuff for the volleyball team. And they couldn't wear shorts. Like, that's absurd. Uh, yeah. And the bikini bottoms that they make uh, women wear in those events are basically just thongs. Um, and it's it just shows that um, patriarchy um, is also in control of the Olympics. That's what I take from it. Yes, 100%. And then, uh, I mean, there's the at. Oh, sorry. There's on top of that, there's like kind of the added like structural problems, right? That just hosting the Olympics poses and the kind of displacement that happens of where, where people live. And it, it just feels like, like no, no offense to any individual involved, but like, who the fuck are you? The Olympics? Like f in, in, we all agreed as the world that just the Olympics gets to make whatever rules they want for everywhere. Does that make sense? Like, it just feels so strange to me that it's like that 
it's like, oh, this is international waters. We just have to, or it's the opposite of that. Right. It's like, we just have to obey these like very specific rules set by this organization. And all they offer is the Olympics. It, it feels like I, I and, and I, I have so much respect for Olympic athletes who are not accused of numerous sexual assaults. But <laughs> I, I will say that like, how did a body that's like, um, if like, hey, we need to decide who swims the fastest. Like, how are they dictating how governments behave? Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, right, in terms of the ways that they can put the different bars and different like hurdles up uh, for governments to abide by, you know, whether it's in Japan or, you know, London or the United States or whatever. We know Brazil, like the ways that sort of like the destruction and the path of, of all these games and things like the World Cup, you know, that's clear. And number one is their bottom line and, the, and like the money that they're going to make. Um, but it's just it's so... Every, if every single story this year weren't like, oh, another black woman is being prevented from, you know, competing or another woman, a woman can't breastfeed her child, nor Norwegian athletes have to wear thong, like, like this, the whole thing compounded. You're just like, I think we need a little rules update, buddy. Right. Time we out. need to change. Yeah. And also you, like. The whole thing feels to me like like if the script's national spelling bee would be like, at the beginning, we set every child on fire. And if you want to participate, these are the rules. And everyone yeah. was just like, yeah, that's pretty cool. We'll abide by that. <laughs> totally. And like also just the idea that this – I mean, and there's different bodies here, right? So the, um, you know, whatever, the safe sport, American safe sport body, which – is literally tasked with saying whether or not a player is a danger to other people. It's like HR for Olympic sports in the United States. And they said that it was okay for this rapist or alleged rapist to go to the Olympic games. Like, my God, like, and then, you know, the Olympic games are like, well, we've got these cardboard boxes as beds. You can't assault anyone here. Like, come on. It's just, it's so obvious and, and egregious. And I just, I don't want to belabor it too much, but I do think it's important to celebrate the kind of excellence that someone like Shakari Richardson, 21 years old, uh, was bringing to these games. And sadly, that was cut short this year. Mind you, I'm about to play the clip from her qualifying uh, race, right? So she's a sprinter, 100 meters. She came in last a year ago. And I got to say, like, running is one – like, I love gymnastics, but I love running, mostly because, they, like, their physiques are just insane. And I say that in a zero creepy way, just to, like, damn, hashtag goals. <laughs> like, you know, and, and like, she came in last in 20, 2019. Uh, excuse me, 2020 – came in last in 2020. And this was her this year, uh, a, a few weeks before she – they found cannabis in her system. She's putting the pressure on Richardson. Here comes Shakiri. Richardson's going to Tokyo. 10.87. So that's her hugging her grandmother, uh, who apparently is the woman who did raise her. And I just get so choked up every time I see that footage. But 
it, yeah, this is uh, this is an amazing athlete, and she's got a big future ahead of her. And I hope that they change their policies around cannabis, like some yeah, I, THC, a little bit of THC. How about however much you want? Uh, this is like, <laughs> this is truly like, I, I understand that that rules are in place for reasons at times, but I think we've like this is kind of a moment where like the it we've come up against like a case of like oh, you know, maybe we can reevaluate this unjust rule rather than using it to steamroll uh, a person who is, you know, deserving of being celebrated and deserving of this opportunity, right? Yeah. And because I do, th- I think like there are people like, well, a rule's a rule. And it's like, what are you, it's not a law of science. It's not like uh, Newton's first law of motion is uh, if you have a trace amount of THC in your system, you can't participate in the Olympic Games. Like, it, it rules can be changed and this is like not it's not even a rule that requires like an exception it's a rule that like you could abolish with no ill effects right yeah like, i think this point has been uh it, it made so much that it is like it doesn't it's not novel of me to say but like thc is not a performance enhancing drug for runners and, and so like what is what is the problem other than like wanting to be able to people do with their bodies yeah and i think the one thing that we're leaving out too is like the healing properties that thc and cbd offers as like a world-class athlete and on the wear and tear that she's putting on her body and the fact that she's perhaps maybe using like a a higher cbd strain to you know helping her recovery you know rather than using painkillers um so it really should be reevaluated Yes, yes. And I just want to mention that it gets like a lot darker and more effed up, especially when it comes to policing gender. I just want to say that's a story for another time. But the Olympic Committee is also very strict about certain things like hormones, testosterone, estrogen. Um, And so there are cisgender women who haven't qualified because they don't have enough estrogen to qualify to to compete as a woman. And this is relevant because there are a number of trans athletes in the current Olympics. They're being vilified. They're being demonized. And we know the way that trans uh, athletes and uh, have been used by the right um, to so-called protect women's sports. And I, I think we're going to have a moment. We're going to have a shift because there is a lot of vitriol um, going around and, and a lot of also barriers being broken by trans athletes. Well, that, um, that whole that whole argument with trans women having like a competitive advantage is straight up bullshit. And I'll say it right now, because if it wasn't bullshit, if they were really caring about leveling the playing field in sports, they would be in an uproar over the fact that trans men being forced to play on teams with women when they're taking um, testosterone, because when you start taking testosterone, you have increased speed and strength almost immediately. When you're on estrogen, mm. that's that not the case. Um, so it, it's it's a it's a bullshit argument meant to divide people and turn trans issues into a wedge issue to divide people. One hundred percent, yeah. And, the, and and it's and it hurts people, right? Like it's it's that's the thing is like it it's it froths up this kind of prejudice and and the effect is like people are being used as political pawns to score points and, and not uh, being treated like on their merits as, as human beings and, and people who really want to compete in their, their fields. It's it's real, real upsetting. 100%. All right. We got to move on. Um, Our final story. This was the week where yet another insurrectionist was foiled by his own dick. (laughs) 
specifically through the dating app Bumble. The man in question is Andrew Take of, of Houston, who bragged to a match on Bumble about being at the Capitol on January 6th. The match then reported him to the FBI. So... Uh, the unnamed match asked Take if he was, quote, near all the action. And Take said he was. He was there from the very beginning. Take claimed he had spent 30 minutes in the Capitol, was pepper sprayed while being peaceful standing there. He also shared a selfie and said it was, uh, and said that it was taken about 30 minutes after being sprayed. Within days, the match had turned Take into the FBI. Aw, womp, womp, womp. But it gets a little bit deeper. So, the truth is is not exactly what Take said. Prosecutors say he was involved in two separate attacks on the law, on law enforcement officials, so he was not being peaceful. Footage from the day shows Take using pepper spray against police, and then at another point using a metal whip to strike officers. There's also video showing Take walking inside the Capitol with the whip in his hand. What? I mean, listen, it will... That will turn some women on, of course, oh. if you say that you're into metal whips, but nah, nah, bro, you're going you, <laughs> you're to get turned into the FBI. Of course, this is the second time Bumble has led to the arrest of an insurrectionist. Uh, let's just say good old Bumble, guys, where women make the first move and have the last laugh. Uh, <laughs> I also feel like if Bumble were around in the 1940s, like none of the Nazis would have escaped to like South America, you know? They would all just be like horny and like swiping and like trying to match and being like, you up girl. And like they would have gotten turned in immediately. Or, so, or they would have been extradited after doing the same thing on Argentinder, the Argentinian. Argentinder. <laughs> that's yes. Excuse my pronunciation. Yeah, no, I it's anglicized fine. it just very whitely. And I, apologize. <laughs> um, I, I look, I have such. I sometimes feel such tenderness for when a, a, a man is just clearly like uh, socially maladapted and will say something like corny or trite, not a, not offensive or gross, but just like when a guy is like, Hey, I caught a bunch of fish. Do you want to go on a date? And someone will post <laughs> his, on, you know, and be like, look at this loser. But I do feel like if you're like, yeah, I was there at the Capitol. I was just posted up chilling. It's like, I think that I would read a whole, they should bring back, uh, like Tumblr should get repopularized just for women um, coup fishing uh, is what I would call it. Yes. I love it. Coup fishing. Um, Brianna, any thoughts on this? Should we like, you know, you never know. So uh, maybe this line has worked on some people on Bumble. Like what leads into this conversation? I'm like, what, when, when do you bring that up? Like when do you think that was like in the hello? Like, hello, I'd like to participate in insurrections and coups. Right, because the that because he can't lead off with that. She has to be like, she has to make the first statement. So she has to be like, hey, how are you? And he's like, probably try to ease it in like pretty good. But I had a rough January 6th, yeah, if you ooh, know what I mean. Right? My eyes are burning from all that pepper spray and your beautiful <laughs> photo. Anyway, <laughs> I just think it's funny that he tried to like, he, he tried to kind of like downplay how violent he was because he could tell a little bit, you know, like what the vibe was. Like he was like, whatever. I was like really peaceful. I wasn't like using pepper spray on police and I didn't have a metal whip. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, because you'd think like it was he, peaceful. It was a peaceful whip. You'd think like he <laughs> knows that what he was doing was messed up because like 
if he didn't know that he had the potential to get in trouble, he would have he would have bragged about it so hard. Like if he thought she was into it, if he thought she w- thought that was like cool that he was there, he would have been like, "Yeah, I had this metal whip. I was like Indiana Jones meets the friggin' Terminator." <laughs> and, like, really would have played it up. Hundred yeah. percent. Oh, amazing, amazing. I love this. Um, keep on going, uh, Bumble people. Uh, all right, well, let's go to a, a few comments and then we're going to move on. Andrew Martin on YouTube, I'm bitching about the billionaires returning from space. Likewise. On Ben and Jerry's, JoJo says, A cab, solidarity to me, gente, but especially to my Palestinian peoples. Uh, thank you so much, JoJo, on Twitch. Greed Owens, new ice cream flavor, s'more justice. I like that. S'more. Would you like some more justice? Um, s'more justice. Also, similarly, no justice, no Reese's Pieces. S'more, yeah. <laughs> no justice, no Reese's Pieces is amazing. Reese's Not to ignite the Pieces versus Pieces debate. Uh, it's so, Reese's Pieces are so good. They are. Um, Reese's Pieces, there was a new way they were hawking it they put it like on a bar or something and i had it and i was like oh i i came like that was it i was just like oh they put it in reese's peanut butter cups and that's delicious too yeah or it was like a i don't even know i'm i date someone who's um uh, allergic to peanuts so every day i wonder should i kill him with them so i can enjoy them um and be free of this. No. Uh, all right. Tucker Carlson on Tucker Carlson. Nat A on YouTube. He looks like a guy from Brawny's Paper Towels. <laughs> yes. That's exactly right. I, that I'm was always their like vision. Leery. That was the mood board. Sorry. Nailed it. I'm always leery of like valorizing someone for doing what. Because I'm like so the milkshake duck uh, to use the parlance of our times yes. has come for too many people. But I will say I like that he did that. <laughs> That's. I think we can all agree that that was cool. I'm just worried, you know, two weeks from now, we find out like, oh, you, you know, he just like eats live mice. Uh, that's the, <laughs> and, the Bronnie's uh, guy, like the Bronnie's got a few rape allegations or something like. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. He might be a wonderful man, but all I know is he did this one great thing that lightened my heart a little bit. <laughs> Uh, Angry Panda on YouTube, Empty Toolbox, much like Carlson, 100%. Uh, on the Olympics, Melanie Dennis, the Olympics spreads nationalism, economic despair, displaces thousands and people who don't get compensated, and it's quite frankly a waste of money. Yeah, it, it's time for a rethink. Um, on this Olympic player, oh, because he won't be able to encounter women in another country who aren't athletes. Yeah, exactly. What about like some concern for the people who are not athletes in that country? This Many dude. of the people of Japan, famously, are women. Oh, God, I've heard that too. Crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like they're everywhere. Um, <laughs> on on Bumble, Dan Ralph, uh, whips and chains excite me, but not in this case. Eh? Yeah. Good, Dan. I see you. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room, everybody. There is merch coming. I love y'all, and it supports this show. But let, let us get into... Uh, the sitch for the week. Um, we're talking about whether or not uh, this crazy Claire's accessory uh, midlife crisis of a senator, Kirsten Gil- uh, Gillibrand, Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, can ever be be changed. Uh, this is the sitch. So, Brianna. You work within the Democratic Party of Arizona, and I know that must not be an easy like 
uneasy battleground to, for a leftist, for a socialist, democratic socialist to, to work in. Can you explain how you and other DSA members have, have really taken up the mantle of trying to change the Democratic Party f- from within and, and within the state? Um, well, it's, it's taken a long time, um, and it's, it's basically just organizing on the inside and outside. Um, we have a, an organization called the Progressive Democrats of America, that has been organizing in the Arizona Democratic Party for some time. Um, I actually, you know, gained interest of becoming a, a leader in the Arizona Democratic Party after understanding the fact that in some of these executive board meetings, million dollar budgets are approved, um, get out to vote strategies are approved, and all of these other important conversations that, you know, happen in those, in those spaces um, in the Democratic Party. And it's important for leftists to have a voice in that room um, not only to you know speak truth to power, but hold folks accountable and ask the tough questions. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been organizing, bringing people in, registering people to be PCs, which is the lowest level of the Arizona Democratic Party structure. That basically puts you as like the captain, captain of your voting precinct, um, and encourage people to run for district positions within their le- local legislative districts. Because when you run for positions in those in those spots. Um, it's your your job is to help get out the vote and actually increase the strength of the Democratic Party. That means talking to the folks that are not actively participating in the political process. And when you're in that position, you have access to Van and the tools necessary to have those conversations. So you can start talking about the important progressive issues that we need um, on a mm-hmm. local level, the people that are maybe not participating in the election system or the political process. For sure. And how have, how is your role and, and other DSA members' role like been received by sort of the run-of-the-mill kind of status quo Dems, you know, who are probably very content with their sort of stodgy um, structure that they had going for a while without these young upstarts? Well, um, in 2018, it was pretty tough. There was only me and a, and a couple comrades on the executive board. Um, but in for 2020, we had a reorganization in January, and now we have like you know we have power um, as a progressive block on the executive board for the state party, and we've been able to accomplish some really great things. One being um, holding our elected official accountable. Um, we had a Zoom meeting with uh, our senator, our senior senator from Arizona, about three and a half weeks ago, um, and as a board collectively, we prepared for it. We knew kind of how that she was going to act in this meeting. So we had our questions strategically lined out um, and, you know, flat out asked her. My question was, you know, I want you to hold the town hall in northern, central and southern Arizona to help talk Mm. to voters um, about why you're not supporting the agenda that this state went for um, for the first time in over two decades. As you can tell, I'm pretty fired up about this because it pisses me the fuck off because she shows exactly what's wrong with the political political system as a whole. She basically just used a bunch of people to get into office, then screw everybody else. I don't give a shit about anybody else. I just care about me because I got mine. And that's what she's done. She's spit on labor. She's abandoned like LGBTQ people. And I say that because she has the power right now to pass the Equality Act, her being the first bisexual senator in the Senate. She should know the importance of actually having a government that sees you for who you are um, and the importance of actually having laws to protect us. So it's, it's really yeah. frustrating um, working in the space, but it's important for us to be here. Because even the Equality Act, which is before the Senate, and that sort of expands um, 
it, it basically prevents against discrimination against the LGBTQ people or discrimination along gender sexuality, um, much like it is illegal to discriminate um, based on race, right? That is, even that is being held up. So not only we've got voting rights that are held up, we've got infrastructure budgets that are held up, but something is sort of seemingly um, middle of the road as you can't discriminate against people for their gender or sexuality uh, is also being held up by like, it's not going to get passed. Like it would get, you th- you think of that even that would be what filibustered or there wouldn't be enough senators to actually pass that? No, there's not going to be enough senators to pass that. No way in hell. No way in hell. Um, we talked about trans athletes, what, t- 10 minutes ago and how controversial that is. There's no way, there's no way the Equality Act is going to pass with the filibuster in place. Um, and the fact that cinema is banking on, you know, everybody being mad right now, that when 2024 comes around, um, that everybody forgets. Because um, that's right on her playbook. Um, yeah. She's hoping that people are going to forget and just brush it under the rug and say, oh, no, we have to vote for cinema. It's not going to happen this time. And she's, she's going to have a rude awakening in that primary. Tell me more about that. Yeah, that's... First of all, that's very exciting to the idea of primary in Kirsten Cinema. But tell me about her devolution here. You know, she was at once a Green Party member, yet you 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 mentioned that she was, you know, the first bisexual member of the Senate. Um how and why has she fallen so far from Grace? Who is she now in the pockets of? Corporate America in the Chamber of Commerce. That's who she's in the pocket of right now. Um and you can look at that through her votes. Like you know, she voted to repeal uh, portions of the Dodd-Frank Act and voted for the border wall. She's got very hostile policies when it comes to immigrant rights. Um, she, she's, she's in the pockets of everybody but the people. Um, and, mm. and that's unfortunate. Um, she's basically evolved from being, like you said, a, a Green Party anti-war activist that, you know, planned over. There was a good, good piece in Mother Jones, I think it was. Um, that really took a deep dive into cinema in her profile. Um, like she planned like 15 anti-war activists, ran, did not get elected. Then what I'm taking from that is like she saw that it's not the way to get in was through the Green Party, decided to join the Democratic Party, ride the coat, ride the, the waves of the, the early progressive movement in Arizona, say the things mm-hmm. that she needs to, use the people that she needs to to get into office, which was labor um, and people of color in Arizona. Um, in her first campaign for Congress, she gets in. Then the evolution started almost immediately, and she started becoming a moderate. And a lot of people say that that has to do with her relationship with Janet Napolitano. Um, Janet mm. Napolitano um, helped her on her book, Unite and Conquer, which is a terrible book that I am protesting and I will not read. Um, but I've taken excerpts from folks. <laughs> um, and she's not Unite abiding by her own rules of um, continuing to have coalitions with organizations. That was one of her bread and butter issues in that book, I guess. But is she still speaking to people? Like, do, you know, let's say white, conservative, Democratic Arizonans like her? Um, whereas, like, you know, labor and the immigrant rights, and I imagine the growing Latino population of Arizona um, and young voters are turning on her. Is she still speaking to anyone? And are they on board for her plans to essentially stymie progress by continuing to uphold the filibuster for no real reason whatsoever. Absolutely not. And this is actually what's amazing about this. Um, and I think this also speaks to like 
what we've been able to accomplish as progressives within like operating within the party structure. Um, the Arizona Democratic Party, it's very hard to get uh, a group of folks in a room to actually um, support a particular issue. Um, very hard, very rarely does something pass unanimously. Um, and we nearly passed all three of our resolutions at the last state committee meeting. And these are folks that represent a wide range of ideology on the left in the Democratic Party. We recently did a poll and the people that are state committee people, and that's the highest level of, of elected office inside the Democratic Party structure here. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. but it's something we already knew that you know people in these positions tend to be older because they have more free time available, um, tend to be more wealthier, and they tend to be white. Um, our, our survey showed that. But what that shows to me is those are the people that Cinema thinks that she has in her corner. We passed all three of those resolutions damn near unanimously. Um, one of them was passing the For the People Act. Um, mm, mm. Second one was full party support um, for the PRO Act and ending the filibuster. All three of those passed um, by strong, strong numbers. And uh, so I, I, she's not, she's not, she's not doing well and she's not in good graces with anybody in Arizona, but the Trumpers. I have a, I have a naive question, maybe, I, I, as a person who doesn't know many things. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, it seems like her kind of political calculus, to me, seems very cynical, right? And like you said, she like got hers and is is only really looking out for herself and is kind of, um, seems to be catering towards like business interests and 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 that kind of thing. But like, even if you are catering to business interests and kind of like allowed yourself to be in the pocket of corporate money, that doesn't also preclude you from serving your constituents in ways that aren't contradictory to that. So it seems mm -hmm. like a lose-lose, right? Like it, not, not that I want politicians to be influenced by money, but it just seems like what is the political calculus of like not also serving her actual constituency? Right. That's my big question. Like even if she's like, well, in these ways, I've sold out labor in, in, that, in these fucked up ways, right? And, and, but like maybe I can do this thing that will ameliorate things with you. But it seems like she is truly like – um, spiting the voters at every turn, which is which feels nonsensical to me. Like, what is that strategy? Well, I think that's a strategy of corporate America, because if you pass things like the For the People Act, which is huge democracy reform that's going to empower mm -hmm. more voters, that challenges sure. the power structures that are in place. And I think that by her doing nothing is is pandering to them. And I think that's what they want. Um, they don't want her to pass any sort of legislation. Corporate America does not want the PRO Act passed. What is the, the right. statistics of, of unions and, and uh, the private sector? I think it's like less than 6%. Um, that's a threat. Yeah. That's a threat to their money and that's a threat to the people in power and they don't want that. Yeah, and, and, I, and I would just echo what you said earlier about the ways that when, when election time rolls around in a swing state like Arizona. Oh man, the ways that the Democrats bring out the, we must reelect cinema because the, you know, the other, like the other choice, like, um, is, I don't know, Matt Gates is long lost half brother. Who's terrible. And like, you know, like, like it's like there are there, there's a literal lizard running against cinema. And you're like, well, I, Obviously, I will vote for cinema over the lizard, but honestly, maybe the lizard will be better. Like you never. So this is what Democrats and swing states always do. A couple of points. Yeah, the I'll lizard tell you doesn't. Who doesn't? 
I think he doesn't want climate change. Um, an animal that does not regulate its own blood temperature. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? They they just continue to like, you know, use it against, I think, many voting Democrats who are just like, well, I don't know. I don't want the Republicans. So sure, cinema again. And obviously that's why it's important to primary her. Um, What are the prospects for doing so? And are are y'all on the ground sort of, uh, does it feel like there's someone, you know, whether it's maybe a state legislator who who is, you know, coming through up, up through the ranks or who could mount a good challenge to her? You know, I think we have a lot of great community leaders that will step up and have the courage to challenge her. I think it's going to be hard to find people that are elected and currently in office to challenge yeah. Cinema because challenging Cinema also um, is a very defiant thing to do because Cinema is known historically in the state of Arizona to having a lot of money behind her. Um, and yeah. the influence that comes with like cinema, like going against her, it, it could be, it, it's, it's tough, but there's more and more people that are becoming engaged and we're finding as our coalition continues to grow and expand, um, people are, you know, wanting to primary her and people are finding out that they have support. We have a state legislator that is termed out, which I think would be great. Senator Martin Casada from Legislative District 29, very outspoken progressive, former Bernie Sanders surrogate as well, and co-chair mm-hmm. for the state mm-hmm. with me. He'd be a great representative. And I'm sure there's people out there that would be great representatives that I haven't spoken to yet um, that sure. are fired up and ready to, to speak truth to power. But Because Kristen Cinema, she she was never a congressperson, right? Or was she? Am I am I getting her back background wrong that she first ran for Congress and won and then moved to the Senate? Yep, that's how it happened. She was uh, Got it. in Congressional District yeah. 9, which was a swing district. It's located like in Tempe, um, the eastern portion of Phoenix, and the lower portion of, of uh, South Scottsdale. Got it. And, I mean, yeah, it is, it is a tough battleground, but I think it's such a worthy fight. I guess I also feel like it stung a little bit to see her trotted out by Biden along with Joe Manchin kind of playing all nice, nice as if they're not the key to ending the filibuster, those two senators. And then you have Biden being like, these are my homies, along with, you know, other moderates and Romney back there and whatever, and like irrelevant people who have no real politics. Like that felt really obnoxious to me. I don't know how you read that, Brianna, but I was like, why? Why are you rewarding? um, You're rewarding obstructionists, essentially. Mm hmm. Yeah, I uh, I saw that, and I saw Cinema wanting to put herself in the center of all the pictures. Um, people in Arizona <laughs> know the way that she thinks because we know her. Um, you know, she wanted to be front and center in those pictures for a reason. She wanted to use it for a photo opportunity. Um, yeah, and it's it's too bad. It's it's very uh, she's very me oriented, and and it sucks because I want to like Cinema because like we share a lot of the same struggles, like. When she talks about living in a gas station and being poor and LGBTQ, like those are stories that I have too. I didn't live in a gas station, but I lived in my mother's car outside of a Smitty's parking lot for a week and a half and in downtown Phoenix. I'm, I'm identified as LGBTQ, um, many of the same struggles. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, it's just unfortunate because she could be, she could, she could be a hero and she could be like in the history books as somebody that did the right thing. But the fact that she's not because our political system's fucked up because of money. It's just terrible. Yeah. 
Okay, final question on cinema. I know we have to move on, but I am very fascinated by the role that Amazon, the Amazon Corporation plays in your state. Do you, is that, does that factor into organizing, to union rights, to labor organizing that, you know, and, and how, how strong uh, Amazon is in Arizona um, and using it kind of as one of its many tax havens? You know, Amazon really isn't giving us any kind of, um, any kind of pressure. They're not really any kind of force um, mm. in this. Um, the biggest things is like the Arizona Chamber of Commerce, the Realtors Association, organizations like that. Um, they're the ones like pulling the strings, in my opinion. Um, when I look at like campaign finance reports and some of these big businesses like Uber, she's taken, uh, she's had max donations from the CEO and president of Uber. No no, uh, no correlation there to voting no or not being supportive of the PRO Act. Um, but those are the folks that I think uh, have the money on the back end. But Yeah. Um, this is, it's so good to check in. I'm like, uh, I wish, you know, it's like you can't fully give up on people. I agree, you know, as much as I want to give up on her. I Like you and you're organizing and the people you work with, it's like you literally have no choice. You have to try and like, you know, cinema whisper and 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 hope that she somehow sees the light. Um, so anyway, thank you for doing all this work and sending you lots of solidarity and strength from I know around the country and people who are like, you know, really want to see her stand for something. Um, I may I ask one tiny question? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty amenable. Um, uh, Brianna, what is something that like that people, maybe listeners um, who are in a similar situation, like across the country, right? Like I think there are lots of democratic senators who run on like moderate to fairly progressive agendas and then kind of like walk back from the leftward edge of wherever they are right at once they're elected or reelected. And like, what are, is there anything that you've found other than like a real strong primary challenge? Because like, sometimes those are difficult to mount. Sometimes they're, they're not successful, but like, what have you found to be uh, effective with such figures um, outside of, of that strategy? Well, I think that it, it takes a lot of different approaches. I can speak to kind of what we've done here, like a multi-pronged approach, which is the inside-outside strategy and using um, the Arizona Democratic Party structure as an avenue for us to come in and apply pressure through that. Um, in addition to organizations on the outside collectively organizing together around this issue, we have a very diverse, large coalition of organizations that represents a broad spectrum of ideology on the left that includes some Democratic Party counties, uh, county democratic mm -hmm. parties, but also like Lucha, Sunrise Movement, um, Progress Arizona, mm -hmm. the Faith Network, uh, Arizona Coalition in the Dream Act, um, all of us collectively organizing around this issue of ending the filibuster. So if there's mm -hmm. like one particular issue that's important to the to whatever state that is for the listener, um, mm -hmm. that really brings people together. In my opinion, that right now is the filibuster because that is the one barrier that's stopping all of our struggles and all of uh, mm -hmm. like from us passing the legislation that we need for whatever community or whatever thing that we're passionate about, the filibuster is that one thing we can all unite around. Um, so yeah. whatever that issue is in your state, um, if it is the filibuster, I'm sure it is at this moment, um, you know, start having conversations with organizations um, and 
you know, leaders in your party that, you know, may be representing um, their people the way that they should. And if they're not, run for their damn positions and take their spot. Cool. <sighs> yes. It's just so hard to like activate people around something that is deliberately like obscure and like was like it's just a weird Senate rule, you know, and it's like right. but it's so important. Like, but filibuster, like I feel and like. It's, and it's also like like you were saying, Brianna, it's like the key to this other stuff, but it's not the other stuff yet. So like you were saying, Francesca, it's like so hard to be like, you've got to do the thing before the thing. <laughs> like yeah. That's the most important thing is the pre thing thing right now. And, and that's like, it's so, it's so arcane, but it's so, uh, right. It's so important. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and uh, we just need to reform it. Uh, simple majority to reform it. Just to reform. Uh, okay. Um, I'm done. All right. Let's move on. This has been so good. Thank you, Brianna, for your work. Thank you for making time to be here. Um, and for putting up with my mediocre jokes. You're great. Now, I'm going to go to our final segment. So we have the segment Sex Delect Overthrow. We bring it back occasionally when it really fits. And because so many billionaires have gone to space for 10 to 15 minutes at a time, uh, I, I thought it would be a good week to bring back Sex Delect Overthrow with our billionaire boys. Uh, let's do it. So who would you send a little eggplant emoji to who would you elect to office and who would you just topple you know non-violently violently um richard branson of course the uh ceo of virgin airline Air, virgin something i don't know what it is is it an airline is it a hotel is it his just his main it's it's no longer a mega store. I know that. It's not a right. You can't get CDs there. <laughs> and Which, yeah, as or like, concert I'm posters or concentration of wealth. I do think he was wise to get out of the compact disc business when he did. <laughs> so he's still doing prepaid phones. Credit where credit's That's still too. a thing too, because Virgin Mobile had prepaid phones. That's mm -hmm. right. Okay, burner phones, CDs. Fly. It's pretty much anything. And now space travel. Okay, Richard Branson, we don't have photos of them, but you can imagine he looks like, you know, the the lion from Wizard of Oz, but like a daytime lion. Like that's sort of his vibe. Very daytime lion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He looks like uh he looks like uh, a lion that went on the show Queer Lion for the Straight Guy in. <laughs> <laughs> and they just kinda they trimmed up his hair a little bit. They yeah. they put him in a nice suit. They gave him a glow up. Um mm -hmm. or uh Jeff Bezos, of course, the no longer CEO of Amazon, but that doesn't matter. He is a trillionaire. Um definitely probably not for daytime TV. Um more like a like sort of home commercial for some like an infomercial for like a saw or something. I don't know. Like he's not camera ready always, but anyway, he's a trillionaire. It doesn't matter. Jeff Bezos, who just went to um, space, obviously this week in a giant penis <laughs> or uh, the guy who got an SNL monologue before I did, or Josh did uh, Elon Musk, who, you know, creator of Tesla, potentially the richest man. I think Bezos is richer than he is, but he's sort of up there also pays nothing in taxes 
and um, is married to Grimes and fancies himself like an enemy of the state, even though he relies on the state for a hell, uh, like all of his work. Who, this is so hard. Cause I kind of, I just, I want to overthrow all these people, but yeah, Same. Josh, can you go first? Who Richard, sure. Richard, Jeff or Elon sex select overthrow and why? I mean, one clear answer, right? Of the three. So let's start there. Uh-huh. I feel like you got to sex Branson. Yeah, I feel like he's got, he's got the best accent of the three. <laughs> this is not like, look, do I agree with the politics of everyone I've ever sent a sexy text to? No. So this is not an, it's, um, you know, this is a retweets or not endorsement situation. He just seems like he's got the, um, he's got the most going on and the least like repellent, uh, bedside manner, let's say. So I'm at sexed Branson. That's a pretty clear number one for me. For sure. Now we've got uh, elect or overthrow. I feel like this is the tough one, right? But this is my answer. And it's a little <laughs> bit of it's a little bit of a cheat. I think you overthrow Bezos. His his business empire is too far reaching and his general press is too good. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think you elect him. He's going to do that thing. Like, remember what everybody said about Trump or like the next Trump is going to be as bad, but also polite. So no one will notice. And I feel like Jeff Bezos has that polite while being really ruthless thing down. And so I'm not saying he's like the worst next Trump, but I am saying he would, I he would be so efficient. He's too efficient. I don't like it. So yeah. I feel like you elect Elon Musk, who will resent having to govern um, because <laughs> he, d- he just likes being like, what if I dug holes? Isn't that innovation? And likes people like applauding that. Why so is no he- one thanking me? I know. Yeah. How come nobody's thanking me for inventing the subway and the airplane? What the hell? <laughs> uh, so I think he will be, he'll be, uh, bad at governing he won't want to do it and he will be unpopular so he will kind of um self overthrow in time yeah i think that's i think that's it i don't want any of them in positions of power influence but elon musk just seems more distractible and and less efficient yeah yeah yeah. just don't give him too many nuclear options of course if we're imagining the highest right what are we electing him to also it's i mean it's up to you but i i i you know we I think you're right that he, if he he could make of like Matt Gates and Elon Musk are literally interchangeable. I feel like that he like Matt Gates, the only place he could is could still like survive is politics. You realize there are like certain predators and awful people who like unless they are elected I mean, democratically, they would be like in the dustbin of history. Politics and stand up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Places. Stand up the 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 refuge. Kill me now, Josh. Actual entertainment. Anymore. This is my life. Why? I know it. Why I'm not saying. I... I'm not applauding it. <laughs> Why? Um, we need a. You know, we need like an HR, like the like the Olympics. You know, like comedy. <laughs> working out swimmingly. Yeah, yeah. No Com- pun intended. Comedy safe. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brianna, what do you what do you think? Sex select overthrow these three billionaires. Like you. Um. I would like to overthrow all three of these um, billionaires sh- should not exist. Um, but if I had to choose, I'm going to start with elect. Um, 
Richard Branson would probably be the one that I'd want to elect. I don't know what we're electing them to, um, these these folks, whoever you choose. Um, but Branson seems to kind of like an out, outside of the box thinker, um, just optically that I've seen in pictures. I don't know enough about his backstory or any of that. But um, I think, you know, he, who knows? Um, Bezos, definitely overthrow Bezos, redistribute the wealth, um, yes. feed the poor. Um, and uh, I guess that leaves Elon last for sexting. Um, that would be really <laughs> odd and really weird because um, I do read his tweets sometimes. I'm like, I don't think you put a lot of thought into a lot of the tweets that you shoot out. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> just imagine what it'd be like on I, the other I can't of think of a genre of writing that makes me less horny than Elon Musk's <laughs> tweets. Right? <laughs> You, uh, a lot of the internet disagrees with you, Josh. Uh, there, the Elon Musk reply guy game is strong. It's brutal. It's, it's so <laughs> brutal. It's awful. Um, I, I will also say Richard Branson for a, a point, Brianna, in your favor for like, he is the only one who's, who currently lives in a uh, nation that provides uh, healthcare for its citizens, right? So yeah. at least he's at least that's the water he's swimming. In. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You, look, Branson. Okay, I'm gonna jump in. I think Branson is Branson is a raging egomaniac, and if things don't work out, all three of them are are raging egomaniacs. And I will. What's scary is that I think Bezos has the highest probability of actually being a successful politician. I'm mm-hmm. like, and just objectively, but absolutely I would overthrow him even though I think if elected he might be might be the least destructive like just obje- because he actually can do things whereas Branson has pet projects and if it doesn't work out he's like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna you know I'm gonna stop climate change and oh it didn't work oh okay fine I'll create an entire fleet of airplanes to incredible control. impression by the way yeah yeah um you know and Elon, same thing. Elon is such a whiny little B and B, B for billionaire. Um, you know, if he doesn't get like his, you know, balls cradled enough, he gets mad and he just so like I don't want either of those people in office. But uh, I still am overthrowing Bezos. I am similarly uh, sexting Branson because, you know, the guy clearly uh, he works hard for for the zaddy body. Um, and. Elon Musk, I'm going to elect to student body president of a middle school because Mm -hmm. he clearly, everything is a popularity contest to him. He wants to be cool. Um, We know, obviously, he's socially awkward. He does have Asperger's. No judgment, of course. But, like, yeah, dude, like, you can be, you can, like, hand out all the red vines, bro. Like, you get to, like... You get to decide what to stock in, you know, the vending machines in the hallway. And, like, that's a lot of power. And I want that for you. So, Elon? Yeah, Elon, president of a very small middle school that I, is has resources. Please don't hurt I love children. We, <laughs> I love that we all agreed to overthrow Bezos. And none of us picked him uh, for sex um 
which I think <laughs> like we all agreed he's on, we can't elect him to anything. And none of us picked him for sex because I think his divorced energy is like so strong that he's in that place. <laughs> now it seems like post-divorce where like, if you sexed him, he's going to want to do all the weird sex stuff that he's <laughs> never done before. And he's going to be like bad at it, but too enthusiastic. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's just going to have like all this, uh, weird bdsm stuff that he just ordered from amazon and hasn't unwrapped yet and you're like man this is just, we're all just gonna end up with a lot of like yeah. chafe marks tomorrow <laughs> yeah he just fucked the sky with a giant dildo we all yeah. saw this like clearly the guy's into some weird shit i just want to shout out chad alpha on youtube soros is the only good billionaire where's my check i agree uh, he is actually the only good billionaire. That's why the right hates him. Uh, and also, please give me money. Soros. Hey, George, become a patron. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. Uh, I could really use the money. So if you are a Soros or you know someone who is, um, you know, just go there. Uh, Brianna Westbrook, thank you so much for being here. Where can, where can people find your work and you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. My handle is B Westbrook. Boom, it's right there on the screen. Um, on, follow B Westbrook, AZ8. Follow Brianna mm-hmm. on all the things and uh, stay up to date with all the pressure they're putting on Chris- Kirsten Cinema. Is it Kristen or Kirsten or Kirsten? Kirsten Cinema. Um, and follow you. Progress Arizona because if you're interested in like following the things that are happening in Arizona around um, Senator Cinema and the work that our amazing coalition of organizations is doing collectively to pressure her. Follow Progress Arizona. We have a huge event coming up on Monday. Reverend Barber, Jesse Jackson, um, and Senator Martin Cazada um, are, are going to be marching um, to her office and doing a sit-in. Um, oh, wow. Monday, July 26th, 9 a.m. at Kachina Park. Amazing. Thank you so much, Brianna. Take very good care. And Josh Gondelman, where can people find your work? I am uh, at Josh Gondelman on Twitter and Instagram. I am doing uh, stand-up as long as that seems uh, cautiously safe and allowed. Um, I am writing and producing on Jesus and Marrow on Showtime, Sundays and Thursdays at 11 p.m. Um, I have a book called Nice Try and a podcast called Make My Day, which is a game show with one contestant who's guaranteed to win because they're the only <laughs> one playing. So you're not busy at all. Josh, thanks so much for making time for, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh, my God. Take good care. And thank you guys for being here. And I remembered that I have a few announcements to make myself, and I forgot to make them at the start of the show. But if you are in Los Angeles this Thursday, uh, that is July 29th, my fiance and I are starting a show that we hope is going to be weekly. Um, But we have two dates coming up, July 29th and August 5th, Thursday at 9 at Nosa Restaurant. We are premiering The Happies, which is our show in Los Feliz. Uh, we've got such a great lineup. Atsuko Okatsuka, who's been on this show. James Fritz, who's been on the show. Uh, Jessica Seeley, who's been on this show. Uh, Greg Edwards, who's been on this show. All these people who you've seen and heard on the Bituation Room podcast are going to be live doing their stand-up uh, at Nosa Restaurant, 9 p.m. on Thursday, the 29th. So get tickets. Uh, I'll put the ticket link in the description for uh, of this video. Um, and also... Big news for the podcast on September 2nd, which is also a Thursday. 
I will be live with Matt Lieb and guest TBD in Portland, Oregon. If you live in Portland, we are coming to Kickstand Comedy and we're going to do a live show of the Bituation Room. Um, yes, we're back at it. We'll see if there are masks, if there are whatevers. We'll be safe, I will guarantee you. But God damn it, we will have fun. September 2nd at Kickstand Comedy. Stay tuned for the details. I just wanted to give a heads up. Don't leave town. It's Labor Day weekend, so stick around. And thank you to Becca Rufer, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Ellie Hoffman, and to Alexandra Orness for all of their help. We stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern, except for next week. Remember, it's Tuesday, August 3rd. And uh, you can listen as a podcast. You can watch if you used, you're used to listening. And hey, fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy. And don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye-bye.